Today we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be talking about something very practical because it's that time of year in the spring. We're a few days away from spring and it becomes this time of greenness. Not only because it's St. Patrick's Day, but because the earth begins to bring forth fruit. The earth begins to, to bring forth that green foliage. And it's a beautiful time of year, isn't it? And then... Some of you may be the type to like to plant something. You might have a garden at home, whether it be a a vegetable garden or a flower garden, but you enjoy getting outside and and seeing the things uh, bloom and just a beautiful garden. And gardens are interesting, aren't they? And gardens not only are beautiful in life and when we go out into our yard or into our garden, but a garden can also be used as a metaphor for our lives. Right? Because in our lives, we sow seeds by our decisions that we make. When we make decisions in our life, when we say things, when we do things, we're sowing the seeds of possibility. We're sowing the seeds of consequences. Right? And so we have to look at our lives and say, what is growing in our gardens? What do you see coming up in the garden of your life? And do you like it? Because chances are, whatever's growing in your garden, that's what you planted there. It says in Galatians chapter 6, 7, God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows, Whatever he plants, that shall he reap. So whatever you're sowing in your life today, you're going to see it come up tomorrow. Whatever you sowed yesterday is coming up today, right? So what's growing in your garden? You know, it says in Scripture that man's first job was actually that of a farmer. When God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, it says that God planted a garden. And it says in verse 15, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So even from the very beginning of time, God just didn't want us lollygagging around. He actually wanted us to do something. Adam wasn't in the garden in a hammock laying around. No, he was put in charge of the garden to tend it and to keep it, it says. You know, I was preparing for this and I found a guy by the name of Edmund Ruffin. Quite a name. And he's known as the father of soil science. And he was one of the pioneers at at giving us information about soil And the importance of soil. And if you know anything about farming, if you know anything about planting stuff, you know that the soil has to be good. It has to to have nutrients and it has to have that consistency in it that will bear fruit. So he he recommended crop rotation to his fellow farmers. He studied bogs and swamps and learned how to correct soil acidity. He's back in the 1800s. And he wrote a book called an essay on calcareous manures. 
Real page turner. Let me tell you. I haven't read it yet. But for all of his contributions to agriculture, he's most known for something else. He's known for firing the first shot of the Civil War. I guess somebody had to do it. Fort Sumter in April 12th. But as a result, and of course, none of us can lay all the blame on Edmund Ruffin, but he did shoot the first shot. But that war precipitated to 620,000 men dying, 476,000 wounded, and 400,000 captured or missing. One shot changed the world, didn't it? We'll come back to Edmund Ruffin. But there's this idea of what we sow in our life, what we do, what decisions we make, what shots we fire. There's going to be consequences to that. What seeds we sow is what comes up in our gardens in life. And Paul says it like this, that there are two types of gardens that we have. And maybe our garden is a mix of some of them, of both of them. And he says that there is this lust of the flesh... And then there's this fruit of the Spirit. And so your garden can be made up of either of these entities. He says this, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. And he goes on to say, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here you have a choice. Here's one garden for you. You can have a garden that's made up of the works of the flesh, which are adultery, and fornication, and sorcery, and jealousy, are those things that you want in your life? How many want that growing in your garden? Do you want adultery growing in your marriage? Do you want envy growing in your churches? But it's one garden. And then, Paul contrasts another garden you can have in your life. But the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit... This is from God. This isn't from the flesh. This is what you can have in your life. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Those sound really good to me. And I've had a garden in both. I've had both kinds of gardens. I've had a garden with the works of the flesh. And let me tell you, I wanted to get out of that garden. Because there's no sustenance in that garden. There's no life in that garden. But I've also tasted the garden of the Spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit. I've tasted that fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering. And it's a sweeter garden. It's a better garden. It is life. Whereas the works of the flesh, it says, are death. The first thing that we have to realize, first of all, what are the seeds that we're sowing in our lives? What are the decisions that we're making? Because seeds are powerful, aren't they? They come to us. If you go to the grocery store, they come to us in these little packages. But in those seeds, there's so much power. In those seeds are an unimaginable amount of food. What's interesting that over in Norway right now, that they have a vault. They're keeping a vault of global seeds. Why do you think they're doing that? Because they know how important it is to have that food. And right now, they're storing as many seeds as they can just in case something happens bad. And that we can go to that vault and have those seeds. Right now, they have almost a million different variety of samples of seeds hidden, stored away. And that vault. That way, no matter what happens, there's the possibility of food if something dire or tragic happens. Seeds are powerful. You know, there was a a tree called the Judean date palm which went extinct, listen to this, in A.D. 150. And archaeologists in the 60s were digging at Herod's palace in Masada. At his palace. And they found some seeds. And it was actually to these seeds to a tree that was extinct. The amazing thing they did was they took those 2,000 year old seeds and they planted them into the ground. And guess what? tree came up. In fact, that tree they call Methuselah. But that's the power of a seed, isn't it? That even a seed 2,000 years old, even to an extinct tree, can still prosper and come up in today's time. And that is so true for God's Word. Jesus likened His Word unto a seed. He said, the seed of the kingdom of God is my word in Luke chapter 8, verse number 11. And it's our hearts, it's our lives which have the benefit of implanting that seed in it. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 that men and women have different types of hearts, different types of lives. And sometimes the seed of God falls on the wayside heart. And the wayside was the path leading to the garden. And if you know anything about a path, After people have been walking on it for a while, what happens to it? It's hardened. And and if a seed falls on hard ground, it cannot penetrate the ground. And some people's hearts are so hardened by sin, by ignorance, by deceit, by the works of the flesh, that when God's Word comes to that heart, it can't penetrate it. But He also said there was hearts that were like stony ground. The word would fall into the soul and it would fall and and it wouldn't be in there deep. It would be shallow. And as a result, it would come up for a little time. And then when the sun beat down on it, it would vanish. It wasn't 
deep was in the heart. It was stony ground. Then he said there's also the thornies type of... And that's the cares of the world that when you plant the seed of God and there's all these things taking the sustenance and life away from it, it chokes it, it kills it. But then he said there's also the good ground. And if the seed of God's Word is implanted in that ground, it comes up the kingdom of God. One thing that we have to do, though, is that we have to walk in the Spirit. And I am no farmer. You probably look at me and tell that. I have spent some time in the garden. I remember as a boy, my grandfather was a farmer. And when I was probably about six years old, he gave me a hoe. That's a garden utensil. And he said, get to work. And I don't know how much help I was, me and my twin brother, but we were out there breaking up the earth, breaking up the soil. And at the end of the day, we could look at that field and we said, that's what we did. But one thing I do know about farming, and one thing I do know about gardening is this, that if you go and you plant some things in the garden you make it look really pretty and orderly and, and nice and you walk away and you don't do anything else to the garden what's going to happen to your garden? It ain't going to be a garden for long, is it? Either the animals are going to get in there and eat it or you're going to have weeds and all kinds of other stuff come in there and choke it out. And then if you have a garden in this life, if you have that garden which is the fruit of the Spirit, you have to maintain that garden. You have to walk in that garden. You have to live in that garden. You have to be active and intentional in that garden. And the same is true spiritually. We have to work in the garden. We have to live in the garden. We have to act intentionally in our garden that is life. Somebody once said that a lot of folks go to hell. I hate using that word, but it's a reality. By doing nothing. And isn't that true? That you can go to eternity by doing nothing in your life. Because not only is there the sin of commission, where you commit something, that's wrong. But there's also the, the sin of omission. Where you know to do something good. It says in James and you do it not. We have to live in our garden. The Bible says that we need to be led by the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 1 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful verse? There is now no condemnation. No condemnation. You're saved. But it says, because you are saved, you need to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And because of that Holy Spirit that lives within you, it says this, listen to this in Romans 8, 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That is a marvelous verse. 
that the same Holy Spirit that quickened Christ's body to life is the same Holy Spirit that will work in your life and give you life as well. And so ultimately, it's our lives in the Spirit that conquer those lives of the flesh. It says in Galatians 5, 16, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're doing things of the Spirit, then you're not doing things of the flesh. Living according to the Spirit. But if you're like me, some of your garden is a little growed up. Because I look at myself and I don't see someone totally led by the Spirit sometimes. I see someone who struggles with the works of the flesh. But we have to realize we're all working a works in progress in this garden of life. Remember one time I talked to a lady. She was about 100 years old, Miss Smith. And she was chewing some gum. Chewing some gum. She didn't have any teeth but she was chewing some gum. I started talking to her and and talking about the Lord, and she said, God is good. I said, yes, ma'am, all the time. And she said, you know what? I prayed for many years that God would take the taste of snuff away from me. She's 100 years old. And she said, he did. I said, well, that's great. And she said, and not only did he take away the taste of snuff away from me, but he also took away the taste of beer. And so I was curious about this, so I started, she's 100 years old. I was like, well, when did this happen to you? And it was like last year. (laughs) You know, sometimes we don't think that we can overcome the works of the flesh, but if we keep praying, maybe one day we will know that freedom from that flesh, just as Miss Smith did being 100 years old and being delivered from addiction. Yeah, she was 100 years old, but she knew the grace of God, didn't she? Don't quit praying. Don't quit working in your garden. Maintain that garden. Number three, I want you to know the fruit of the Spirit. The beautiful fruit of the Spirit. Love. Can't have too much love in this world, can we? That perfect love casts out fear. That if we love one another, all of those divisive, terrible things that our world labors under melt away if we love one another. Joy. How many of us want to live joy-filled lives? That's the fruit of the Spirit. You can have that in a supernatural way. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice that there is a joy, there is a happiness that we can have that isn't circumstantial, that isn't depending on your circumstances and your situation. Long-suffering, patient. How many of us need patience in our lives? How many of us need people to be patient with us? Amen? Kindness. Fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. You know, that's one thing you don't have to... You can be kind even if you don't agree with somebody, can't you? You might get them to agree with you quicker if, you, if you're kind to them. Maybe. Goodness. Faithfulness. 
gentleness, self-control. Beautiful words, aren't they? So the conclusion is, is that there, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your life, you're in a state of transition. And there's only two types of transition that you can live. You can either live in a growing state of becoming or in a decaying, corrupting state of the flesh. There's only two alternatives. And God wants us to grow in the Spirit. He wants us to live in that even though our outward body is destroyed, our inward man can be renewed. That spiritual health and vitality. And Paul said it like this, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all people, and especially those of the household of faith. We don't always see the results, all the good that we do. Seems like sometimes the bad consequences we see real quick, don't we? We don't always get to see the good, but if we wait and if we do not lose heart in due season, that good that you sow, you will reap in your life. What happened to Edmund Ruffin, the father of soil science? Well, he survived the war. But he didn't survive himself. He said this, he wrote this towards the end of his life. And now with my latest writing and utterance, and with, with near my latest breath, I hear, repeat, and would willingly proclaim my unmitigated hatred to Yankee rule to all political, social, and business connections with Yankees and the perfidious, malignant, and vile Yankee race. And with those words, he took his musket and shot himself. You see, he sowed hate. And he reaped hate. And if we sow truth, we'll reap truth. If we sow love, we'll reap love. So today, sow the seeds of love and kindness and of the Holy Spirit. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you gently in the palm of His hand. If you have any need this morning, this church stands ready to assist you. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, Won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing?